This is C3 coming back at you with another episode. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Jordan. Grab a cocktail and have a seat while we talk about some crime and our crippling depression. So what's giving you crippling depression today, Jordan? A lot of things, but I mostly have anger. But we're just going to keep live, laugh, love, and life and rock and roll. I'm doing the best that we can. Yeah, and I just got some slobber on my foot. So oh, yeah. It's pretty hot. So <laughs> my boyfriend's dog sitting for the week, which means... I am dog-sitting his dog for the week. Didn't want him to choke, sorry. No, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) Jax is trying to take down our super impressive setup over here. It's pretty cool. So I'm watching my boyfriend's husky, and if I leave him in the bedroom, he will unfortunately rip up the carpet. So if you hear any click-clacking, it's just our guest star. He's doing the best he can today, and it is what it is. I will not be editing any of that out. He's here for a reason. (laughs) The star of the show, for real. He is. Um... So for me, this is actually going to be like, I feel like the first time I've talked about something serious when it comes to depression Mm -hmm. shit. So like, I know most people can probably identify with the fact that like you've had a friend that you were like super close with or even considered best friends Mm -hmm. and then just like one day they're not there anymore type shit. So like for whatever reason, my brain decided, hey, Colin, remember this thing? It's like, I want to say we became friends. I hit the table, but I want to say we became friends in like sixth grade. Mm-hmm. It was one of my best friends. And I'm not going to name drop her just because, uh, I mean, if she hears it, I don't give a fuck. But like our friendship didn't end on a negative note to warrant mm-hmm. name dropping. But it did like, it was weird because we were friends in sixth grade up until like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Every single year we would hang out and I would typically go to their house for christmas and everything and then one day even though we'd go like six months at a time without talking Mm -hmm. typically you just pick it right back up and go like nothing happened a lot of the time that's how it is with a lot of my friends and then this is like the friend that i was like yeah that'll never happen she'll just disappear she's gone one day ghosted like i'm not kidding has not replied to my messages in like two years and i had messaged her several times i even messaged her last no, messaged her mom last Christmas and was like, hey, like, have you heard from her? Or, like, do you have any idea what's going on? She's like, no, she's literally with us right now and everything. And she never messaged me after that, even though her mom mentioned something to her. And it's like, shit, herded. Yeah, I guess it's, people do grow apart, though. You know what I mean? Maybe mm-hmm. it's and just not for her anymore. And that's okay. I guess so. But at least you think if we're, we've been friends for, like, 10 fucking years or something, you could at least hit me up with a, like, hey, this is why I don't feel like talking to you anymore some type of shit like that not just go from like the last i think the last thing she said to me was happy birthday and then it was gone after that like okay thanks for nothing and i feel i think about it sometimes and i'm just like what i let that person back into my life should they show up and i feel like it would prop typically i have pretty sharp cutting people out of my life scissors Mm -hmm. and with this one i'm maybe but it would have to be like Depends on, like, what fucking reason did you yeah, have for sure. to just go to the grocery store and not come back. Like, yeah, she literally went for milk and never returned. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. She even left you on red. <laughs> ease what it is. Um, so we are a terribly disorganized podcast because uh, our schedule is supposed to be three themed episodes, then one where we can do whatever the fuck we want. And we ended up doing four themed episodes without even realizing it, but it was too late once we had gotten it recorded and I realized. So today we're doing whatever we want and i have what's a pretty horrible case and i apologize in advance and i think i'm not sure what jordan has but it's sad we're gonna find out but also interesting so but i want to get the recognition out there i was originally gonna do it as patreon content um but i changed my mind so i want her story to be known because i've always known about it but i didn't Mm -hmm. know the backstory especially because i wanted to go to school for like, like nursing and healthcare and stuff um and I never, like, thought to look into it, so I just want to share some light on it so that way everyone else knows what the fuck's going on, because yeehaw. I can't afford alcohol, so I'm drinking a gay man's water, iced coffee, and I don't know what Jordan has over there. I have an unsweetened tea with a lemonade packet <laughs> in it, because I'm bougie. Um, so I'm going to take it away with the case of Cassie Jo Stoddart. September 24th, 2006, well, on September 24th, 2006... Idaho State Police received a phone call from a young girl stating, I need an ambulance at my house now. The operator asked, okay, what's going on? And the girl replied, 
there's a dead girl on my floor and she's missing a finger. Yikaroons. Yeah, we're just what a fucking call. Getting right into it. And At then, least she knew to fucking call though. Yes. That is one good thing. The second she walked in. Yeah. So Lieutenant Robert Roush recognized the area of Whispering Hills. Why did I put Whispering Cliffs? I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe I mean, it's we're that. just living life. We'll find out when I get further in because I know I typed it a couple of times, but he drove to the scene, and upon entering, he discovered the body of 16-year-old Cassie Jo Stoddard. On Friday, September 22nd, 2006, because Jassy... Oh, I can't read today. I can't read any day, so we're rocking and rolling. We're on air. On Friday, September <laughs> 22nd, 2006, because Cassie was responsible, Cassie's mom allowed her to house sit for her aunt, and her, her mom did say... Things felt a little off that night as Cassie wasn't answering the phone, but she got sidetracked and reassured herself things were fine and she that they would go up to the house the next yeah, morning to check sure. on her. And in a small town of Pocatello, Idaho, rumors were flying. People were in shock because they didn't believe that this kind of thing happened in small towns. So who would do something like this and why? There was no indication of forced entry, burglary, or robbery. Police believe the crime scene did show that she fought hard for her life. I'm mm-hmm. assuming defensive wounds and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, after Cassie's mom picked Cassie and her... So now we're backtracking. I'm going to yeah. be all over the place in the timeline for story purposes. And it is what it is. But back to the day of. After school, Cassie's mom picked up Cassie and her boyfriend, Matt, to drop them off at her aunt's house. And around... 9.30 was the last phone call that she had with Cassie, and she told her mom, oh, we're just watching movies. I'll call you in the morning, and then uh, I don't know which one said. It was Cassie's mom talking, because I did watch something, naturally, and she said, okay, I love you, bye. And then I do feel really bad for Cassie's mom, because it just in these interviews, you can tell it obviously yeah. affected honest- her, rightfully so affected her really yeah. bad. And she know. probably just thought, like, oh, she fell asleep or whatever, not yeah. realizing what was happening, so... And detectives determined that around 10 p.m., the electricity at the home turned on and off. Cassie and Matt were spooked, and she had asked him to stay the night, but his mother said that he was not allowed. But they did offer Cassie to stay the evening at their place, but Cassie declined because she wanted to fulfill her duties of house-sitting. Matt left around 11.15, and then police zeroed in on the fact that the power had been turned on and off and discovered fingerprints on the fuse box in the basement. The fingerprints fit that of Cassie's mom's boyfriend when they interviewed him and questioned him about it he informed them that he had done work in that house and that his fingerprints would be on the fuse box yeah. so he was not surprised at all and he told them that at the time of the murder he was at a friend's house playing video games and it was corroborated and confirmed with that friend slash neighbor so police shift focus to the last person to see Cassie alive her boyfriend Matt he recounted the story well the same story given by Cassie's mom and filled in what I had already stated about him yeah. leaving our current timeline for that evening is around 5 30 dropped off at whispering cliffs and because it is whispering cliffs and i'm just don't know what i'm doing with my life Me uh, either, 10 so. p.m the lights turned off scared them both but came back on shortly after 11 p.m his parents called and tell him that they are coming to pick him up 11 15 his parents arrived to pick him up and then in between there is where she obviously stuff happened because around 12 30 matt was still worried about her and he tried to call several times with no answer and then police did say that while interviewing him his demeanor was a little flat and emotionless and they did take that as a little bit of a red flag as well as i guess that's why a lot of rumors were like oh matt did it and everything which i guess you could see that as a red flag but to me it's like you're telling a teenager that his girlfriend got brutally murdered yeah. So like, you can't how is always he judge to... someone by their grief. Yeah. Sometimes people don't show emotion. Yeah. So just... Especially teenage boys, they're fucking a little bit weird, but absolutely. Live, but... love, love. You know. Anyways, the detectives gave him a polygraph, and they said he passed with flying colors. And at the end of the interview, they informed. Well, Matt had informed them. It was like right at the end, he just mentioned, "Hey, Tori Adamchick and Brian Drapier had stopped by the house that night." And upon questioning, the boys told them, and I am, once I get done with this case, I'm going to go and show you guys, we'll play two videos and let people hear them. Mm. So bear with me while I search them up because I did forget to do that beforehand. But upon questioning, the boys told them that they left around 930 and went to a movie, but were not able to tell the officers what the movie was about. Mm. They questioned an employee there that happened to be a classmate, and that employee 
told them that the two had absolutely not been at the movies. Neither Tori nor his parents were interested in speaking with police, so they focused on Brian and had him come to the station for an interview. So they informed him that they had done their homework and they knew that he was lying about going to the movies. Yeah. He admitted that they lied about going to the movies, and he was like, all right, I, I, I watched the video. He's like, I really didn't want to have to tell you guys this. Yeah, we didn't go to the movies. And it's like, well, no shit dumbass like they already fucking got you there but he's like we we lied about going to the movies because we were car shopping that night sir so like they were going through <laughs> people's cars is his excuse yeah. and sir they didn't want to get arrested for that sir and that is such a bogus fucking lie literally so he said well in the tapes he is seen telling them that there were no more lies and he had nothing to do with Cassie's murder stating, I don't know why you think I would kill my friend. Why would you ever trust a liar who says I have no more lies? <laughs> don't trust men or teenage boys. That's my conclusion. Men suck. He was scheduled for a poly polygraph the following day and just before they began, the polygrapher called and let them, the two detectives that were interviewing him, yeah. let them know that Brian was upset and wanted to speak with the two investigators and he was crying and told them, that it was meant to be a joke and they just wanted to scare her they said they came up the stairs so essentially what happened at this point and what the story is going to be these two boys came to the house that night to hang out with them uh -huh. left around 9 30 saying that they were going to go to the movies mm -hmm. but they actually just went and sat in their car mm -hmm. and waited to play a uh, innocent prank mm -hmm. i'm holding air quotes just so we're all aware so they said that they snuck in the basement that they had unlocked while they were in the house um, how fucking creepy of you yeah like that is not your place not like you don't know who's out there mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. obviously it was them but like you don't know who else is out there you never fucking do that to someone's doors mm -hmm. like you never know who's out and about <sighs> but they broke they came in through the basement and went up the stairs and shut the door to scare her and uh it was a little hard to hear what he was saying specifically because he was hysterical because, you know. He just um, got caught basically and is ratting mm -hmm. on himself. But also it's just like, whatever, fuck him. Uh -huh, it's manipulative, manipulative tears. It's performative and I yeah. stand by that. But, oh, for sure. So he said that at some point Tori stepped in front of him and Cassie was saying who's there and then she screamed really loud and this is Brian. He's just like, and when I walked closer and I saw that he was really stabbing her and I said, what are you doing? And Tori stated, I have to kill her. I need to kill her. And then he mentioned that at some shortly after that, Tori shined his phone light on her face and she was dead. Mm -hmm. So Brian's painting it like, I did not take part any in this. part of this. I just happened to be involved because I was there to also scare her. Yes. Like you like, wouldn't have known that your friend had murderous intentions because, like you know, all just in a silly, goofy mood. Yeah. Just such a good prank. Ha ha ha. Mm -hmm. Loser. Now, the interview with Tori, who has his parents with him, they asked him, what happened that night and he told them that the two had gone through cars and investigators told him that they don't believe that story and they were like and your father clearly doesn't believe that story and you need to tell the truth and tori's next response was just can i talk to an attorney and that was it so it's like bitch you know you're caught yeah um they shifted their focus back on brian who told them where clothes masks and murder weapons were and he took a took them to the place it was buried and all that was accompanied by a videotape. Now, what was on this videotape, everybody asks? It had, well, hold up. It had been burned, but unfortunately for the pair, there are experts out there who were able to repair the tape, which contained the two s stating, laughing, and saying, we're six psychopaths who had the pleasure of killing other people. We're going to be just like Scream. And the full t tape from beginning to end, the tape opened up with a video of Cassie at her locker. So I started watching an episode of something. I don't even remember what dumbass show it was about this case. And they were doing it like it was a movie, like a reenactment. Yeah. And I don't fucking like the way they depicted Cassie and her mom and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure some of it was made up because it started out with this supposed scene of Cassie being videotaped. But it, she wasn't even at her locker in it. Yeah. And then they made it sound like she was scared from the beginning. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, like, I didn't like Some, the way they were doing with it. With certain then, things, you should not take creative license. Yes. And this is one of them. And then they had a whole scene where her and her mom are in the car by themselves. And her mom is driving her up to her aunt's house. And she's just like, oh, honey, I have nothing to worry about because you're so responsible and everything will be fine. But, like, basically foreshadowing what was going to happen. Yeah. And it's like, 
you're not even doing it accurately. Do not take anything like this unless you're going to do it accurately. Yeah. I hate it. However, anyways, yeah, they they said that they were going to be just like Scream, and the full tape opened up with a video of Cassie at her locker, and the person behind the camera was Brian, and he said something about, like, say hi, and she goes, hi, and, like, looks like she's laughing. She seemed like a super sweet girl. Yeah. And around 12, Brian skipped fourth period, and I think Tori did as well, and the two were in the library filming themselves excited, making a death list and stating, I'm sorry to Cassie's family, but she had to be the one we had to stick to the plan, calling her the perfect victim, essentially. Because she's nice to you and not just mean to you? Uh, I can't remember what the reasoning was, and I personally don't give a fuck. I mean, I, it doesn't matter what the reasoning is. What? She was nice to you, and that's... You thought, oh, perfect. Yeah, I don't get like, it. Like, what a fucking actual loser. I fucking hate these two guys. Yeah, so, for real, like, expeditiously would fight them in the streets <laughs> for free. So... Again, I already did talk about this. While they were in the house, they were watching video movies or whatever together. Yeah. And then they one of them took the time to go down to the basement, unlock the door leading to the outside. Then after leaving the house that evening, the two did not leave. They stayed parked in a car and recorded another video stating, The time is 9.50 and unfortunately we have the grueling task of killing our two friends we who are just down the street. But shortly after Matt left, so... And police already said, and I myself believe that Matt absolutely would have been killed as well had he stayed oh, at the house with her. Oh, for fucking sure, because they had two of them. Like, they mm-hmm. were going to set it up and mm-hmm. make sure. So the two snuck back into the house, cut the power, walked up the stairs, scared Cassie, and then stabbed her. Also on the tape, after the fact, they're mm-hmm. like, we just killed Cassie, this is not a fucking joke. And then one of them's like, it went by so fast, and then... I think it was Brian who said, shut the fuck up. We got to get our act straight mm-hmm. and everything. So they were like super excited. Like they just got a party talking about like, now we got to go kill more people. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what maybe stopped them that night. Cause they had a whole kill list and were acting like they were planning on it. But they I guess... probably started freaking out afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they were high on it. And then when reality hit, they were like, Oh fuck, we got to make an alibi and all mm-hmm. this shit. Like reality hits fucking quick. So thankfully the two were tried as adults in 2007, they were both charged with first-degree murder and sentenced to life without parole. Both of them, throughout the trial and everything, blame the other. Oh, That's absolutely, because they're stupid idiots. And in February of 2002, in an interview with Brian, this is in the episode that I was watching. It was on Peacock. I can't remember the show, but you can find it quite possibly if you just search her name. But Brian, and they had asked him, like, why did you do all this? Yeah. It's the question that a lot of people have. And he explains that it was a combination of a lot of things. He felt like he was a loser and like he didn't matter. And if he did something, he might matter. He explained that he had been going into chat rooms with people that were obsessed with the Columbine school shooting. Now, I've heard the name, but I don't know what one that is. That's the one that really made like mass shootings popular, like in America, basically. Issy's two kids... Um, I can't remember her name, but she was a she was a Christian girl, and her brother goes around to schools and talks about her story. But it was like twenty people were killed or whatever. I don't remember exactly it, but it was it's fucking horrible. Okay. Like it's well, it was so maliciously planned. I mean, like they shot people that were hiding under tables, like disgusting behavior. But it's the first like real mass school shooting in that, America. That like sparked but, the what appears to be um, a trend. Thankfully. Obviously, they're in jail and stuff, but unfortunately, there are fucking imbeciles who fucking decide that they're their holy grail and they want to be like them. For what? I don't get it. Because you're a loser and that's what you feel you need to do? Mm -hmm. Like, fuck off. But, so yeah, I guess he was talking to people consistently that were obsessed with that shooting. And then he befriended Tori, and I think Tori is the one that got him into horror movies, and they had skipped a... He, talk, he told a story about how they skipped a school assembly together, and while they were there, Tori asked him, you know the movie Scream? Have you ever thought about doing something like that in real life? And Brian had thought back to his time in those chat rooms and stuff and said, yes, I have. And then the interviewer did ask him, like, do you have anything that you would like to say to the family should you have the chance to and everything like that? And Brian just said that he was so sorry and started crying and stuff. You're not sorry. Otherwise, you wouldn't have done it. Yeah, I don't know how to... I can't remember what all he said. And then, unfortunately, in April of 2022, Cassie's mother did pass away due to cancer. I'm so sorry uh, for anybody that heard that. That is my cat, Baby Boy, who is also making an appearance today. Um, Yeah, so Cassie's mother did pass away due to cancer. And I do 
really hope that before that she was able to find some semblance of peace but given that this sure. episode that i watched was very recent and she was in it and everything it doesn't seem that she was able to find too much peace which is understandable and i'm i just feel oh, bad for that sure that's how i can't happened. imagine and most of her family declined to be in it as a result as well which again completely understandable, understandable. i hope they are doing well and cassie's fa- stepfather did state that for brian there is no making amends oh absolutely not like how do you even obviously why would you even like i don't know there are always better people than you in the world who can like take that but i would never i also do want to make a correction um it was actually 12 students that were murdered and one teacher but it was eric harris and Dilla, dylan klebold fucking dweebs and they committed suicide because they were pussies um, and also 21 additional people were injured by the gunshots. That's where I got 20 oh, okay. people were murdered. But yeah, it was the deadliest mass shooting um, for high school in U.S. history until it was surpassed by the Parkland High School mass shooting in February 2018. So it was like the real start for that. I also want to find the one of the victims' names. Not that they're not all important, but that one girl. I feel horrible. I can't think of her name. While she searches for that, I'm going to play... A brief, it's like a minute long. Oh, like, and it was also an attempted bombing as well. Oh, okay. I want to add that in there we too. We love sure. that. As you can see, they were thoroughly excited about what they had done, and I don't care what Brian's stance is today, they can both eat shit, and there, there's also a tip. The entire tape itself is 40 minutes long, if yeah. anyone wants to watch it, it's on YouTube, and it, they are. I didn't watch the whole thing yet, I probably will, just because curiosity i do want to see what all the fuck was said in it yeah and they're they did have the video of them in the library where they are talking to the camera and just like yeah we're currently making our kill list and they're just so fucking smug about it and it pisses me off yeah her name was cassie bernal and the reason why i guess she is more popular is because she was asked by um i don't remember which one either eric or dylan um do you still believe in god and she said yes and then he shot her in the head that's fucking um So her brother shares her story around in, like, a lot of, like, Christian meetings and stuff as, like, Mm -hmm. part of the religion, obviously. But that's why she is one of the more popular, because her brother goes out and speaks to crowds about the shooting, gives information, talks about her story. Kind of like her testimony from Beyond the Grave. But, yeah, but she's one of the more well-known ones, other than the teacher, obviously, who saved as many students as he could and was killed for it. But, yeah, but it was fucking horrible. So that's the people that they looked up to and wanted to be like, so... Yeah, most. What a fucking joy. I was gonna say, I definitely don't plan on covering any school shootings or anything on here because it's just it's a shitty, really hard topic to talk about. Oh, I for mean, sure. Yeah, it's it's fucking horrible, mm. and it's like scary every day to send your fucking kids to school because you know more guns, more guns aren't going to be the solution, mm. honestly, because it's just no, giving it's more access to some of these kids. Because yes, unfortunately, they're... they're in not good homes to where they're not being protected, so they can't have access to it. Like mm-hmm. that's what the problem truly is is they think whatever and it's easy to get or easy to buy off of somebody and then they attack we also need to do like a deep dive and how to reform like mental health care for students and stuff like that to prevent things like this as well because i i was bullied in school but i definitely never ever 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 even had a thought about doing some shit like that i just there's a more ways to handle that and there's resources so hopefully yeah unfortunately a lot of them are just 
not in good home lives. Mm. Like a lot of them truly aren't home, in a good not home good life. Home lives, and then you go to school. school and and what happens when school is your personal hell too? Yeah, and everything and, and it just, just unfolds. But they're definitely difficult to talk about, but also at the same time need to be talked about mm. because there's one happening every day basically out here. Yeah. So what a time, America. Woo. Anywho, okay, so. so I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> hand it over to Jordan. So I'm covering Henrietta Lacks. She was born August 1st in 1920, um, and she unfortunately passed away October 4th um, in 1951. She was an African-American woman whose cancer cells were the were the source of the HeLa cell line. Yo, I was thinking about covering this. So did you, um, did we listen to the same episode that gave us? Oh, the, I didn't, I didn't listen to anything. You didn't listen to anything? Mm-mm. So fucking... Amanda from Wine and Crime just covered this. Oh, did she? Yes, on their most recent episode. Mm. No, not their most recent. One of their most like recent four episodes, because I listened to them all in a row. Yeah. But she just covered this, and I was so fucking mad about it at work. I was talking yeah. to my roommate about it. I'm not going to take your shine song. I'm just letting Very you good. But hopefully talk I do about it. good enough justice for it. Yes, because um, it's something that super needs to be talked about. Yeah. And then I will give all my commentary and FUs to white people at the end of this. For sure. But anyway, I definitely go listen to that, too, because it is... There's a lot of information on her, and I try to, like, summarize it, but I want to give a good mm. background on her and who she was as a person, too, because she does deserve to be known for who she was. Yes, absolutely. Um, but anyway, her cancer cells were the source of the HeLa's cell line, which was the first immortalized human cell line and one of the most important cell lines in human research. The immortalized cell line reproduces indefinitely under specific conditions because they're cancer cells, and it continues to be a source of invaluable medical data to the present day. So they are still using her cells today to this day with no recognition but she was born in roanoke virginia to elisa pleasant and john randall pleasant she is remembered as having hazel eyes a slim waist a size six shoes and always wearing red nail polish and having a neatly pleated skirt so my girl was like a city girl at the time she mm-hmm. was definitely dressed to impress and i love that for her her family's not exactly sure how her name changed from loretta to henrietta mm-hmm. but they nicknamed her henny and it just kind of stuck i yeah. guess when she was four-year-old Four years old in 1924, her mother unfortunately died giving birth to her 10th child. So they ended up moving to Clover, Virginia with their father because he wasn't able to take care of all the kids on their own. They were kind of sent through different families. She ended up being with her maternal grandfather, Thomas Henry Lax, um, in a two-story log cabin that was originally a slave quarters on the plantation that had been owned by Henrietta's white great-grandfather and great-uncle. She shared a room with her nine-year-old first cousin and her future husband, David Lax. Like most members of her family, she ended up working as a tobacco farmer starting at a young age. She fed the animals, tended the gardens, and toiled in the tobacco fields. And she attended a designated black school two miles away from the cabin until she had to drop out to help support the family so, in the sixth grade. Was she, like, employed at the farm? Yeah. Okay, because I know, I think her grandfather was a slave. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I think it was kind of like employment, support the family, because it's Mm -hmm. in that like awkward time, but they did live in the old slave quarters. Okay. So, um, I wasn't, I tried to look into it a little bit, but I was honestly so fucking bamboozled by this whole story. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. And like I said, like I went, I started to go to school for healthcare and I knew these cells, but I never thought to look into the backstory of them. So, like, fucking learning this was mind blowing. The fact that they don't teach it is insane. And the fact that we don't learn about this shit and school and it's because she doesn't get the recognition Oops, that she sorry deserves. i gotta turn my sound off sorry guys <laughs> forgive her for she has sinned i have sinned i was being nosy and listening to camera footage before and i forgot <laughs> to turn my sound off but um yeah again i'll i have a whole rant so i'm gonna let jordan just do the thing so i don't interrupt yeah, her i mean but, i'm pretty pissed about it too yes. but I'm, that's why i was like this is definitely going on the main feed because i want as many oh, people absolutely. to hear this as possible but yeah, so she had a drop out of school in the sixth grade. And in 1935, at 14 years old, she gave birth to her son, uh, Lawrence Lax. And in 1939, her daughter, Elise Lax, um, was born. Both children were fathered by Day Lax. And Elise, unfortunately, had epilepsy and cerebral palsy and was described by the family as different or deaf and dumb, which of the time is unfortunately how it would be described. Yes. Um, and on April 10th, 1941, Day Lax and Henrietta were married in Halifax County, Virginia, and later that year, their cousin, Fred Garrett, convinced the couple to leave the tobacco farm in Virginia and move to Turner Station um, in Maryland um, so that Day could work in the Bethlehem Steel at Sparrows Point. And not long after they moved to Maryland, Garrett was called to fight in World War II. With the savings gifted to him by Garrett, Day was able to purchase a new house at 713 New Pittsburgh Avenue in Turner Station, 
which is now part of this bigger um, station, and it's one of the oldest and largest African-American communities in Baltimore County, which was at the time, but I'm sure it's still a pretty yes. big one. Um, so living in Maryland, they had three more children, David Lacks, Deborah Lacks, and Joseph Lacks. Henrietta gave birth to her last child at the John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore in November 1950, four and a half months after she was diagnosed with cervical cancer. It is believed that he, like her son says, that he believes that his birth was a miracle because she was fighting off cancer cells growing around him at all times. Jesus. Like him being born was like truly a miracle because she had severe cancer. And around the same time, Elise was placed in a hospital for the quote-unquote like black insane, so obviously everything was still segregated, and it was later renamed Crownsville Hospital Center, where she died in 1955 at 15. And a historian, Paul Lurz, says that it was possible that she was subjected to a type of procedure where a hole is drilled into the patient's brain to drain fluid, and then it's replaced with oxygen or helium to make it easier for the patient's brain's x-rays. What is the word for that? Is that a lobotomy? No, or not a lobotomy. That's like an ice pick through your eye. It's... What? It's a long name. I'm going to butcher I'm it. I need to look Phenomisophilograph. <laughs> If you want to try it. No, thank you. Um, we've I don't heard, know. We've heard me try to pronounce a name. Yeah, it's it's a big, big science word, so I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. But unfortunately, she did pass away in the hospital. Um, and on January 29th, 1951, um, Lax was sent to John Hopkins, the only hospital in the area who treated black patients, because she felt a knot in her womb. Um, she had previously told her cousins that the knot uh, was just assumed incorrectly because she was pregnant so they were like that's how we know you're pregnant you're fine you're fine but after giving birth to joseph she had a severe hemorrhage and her primary care doctor william wade referred her back to john hopkins he was like seriously get this taken out that was very unusual like even for the times like that wasn't Mm -hmm. right go get checked out there her doctor howard w jones took a biopsy of a mass found on her cervix for laboratory testing and soon after she was told that she had malignant epidermoid carcinoma of the cervix in 1970 physicians discovered that she had been misdiagnosed and actually had andenoid carcinoma i believe is how that's pronounced if i someone else says it to me i'm going to realize i'm wrong so (laughs) um this was a common mistake at the time unfortunately and the treatment would not have differed though so thankfully she was getting correct treatment okay but it still was the wrong cancer diagnosis she was treated with radium tombs tombs Lax was treated with radium tubes inserted while she was inpatient and discharged a few days later with instructions to return for x-ray treatments as a follow-up. During her treatments, two samples were taken from her cervix without her permission or knowledge, and one sample was of healthy tissue and another was of cancerous. These samples were given to George Otto Gray. I think it's gay. G-E-Y? Gay, right? G-E-Y? Yeah. Probably. Okay, I'm going to redo that then. I put an R in there because my head didn't want to I mean, didn't he like profit from all this bullshit yeah he's a loser anyway but these samples were given to george otto gay a physician and a cancer researcher at john hopkins um the cells from the cancer sample eventually became known as the gila mortal cell line and is obviously still used we already covered that at the top on august 8th 1951 henrietta who was 31 years old went to a regular treatment session and had been admitted due to severe abdominal pain and she received blood transfusions and remained in the hospital until her death on October 4th, 1951, her partial autopsy showed that the cancer had metastasized throughout her entire body. Mm. So she was, there was really nothing they could do, unfortunately. Mm. Now, George, he was the first researcher to study her cancer cells and observed that these cells were unusual and that they reproduced at a very high rate and could be kept alive long enough to allow for more in-depth examination. Until then, cells cultured for laboratory studies only survived a few days at most. So he's like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on with these? Which isn't enough to perform, like, any variety of tests on the same sample. So you're going to have to take multiple, multiple samples. Um, Her cells were the first to be observed that would divide and multiply time and time again without dying, which is why it became known as immortal. After her death, Gay had Mary Kubik, his lab assistant, take further HeLa cell samples while her body was still in the autopsy facility. Mm-hmm. So even after death, they're taking more shit from her. Without her permission. Without or her permission. even fucking knowing, her family knowing, anybody knowing anything. Featuring the songs of baby boys people in the background. The roller tube technique was the method used to culture the cells obtained from the samples that she collected. He was able to start a cell line from her samples by isolating a specific cell and repeatedly dividing it. Meaning that the same cell could be used for conducting many experiments. So every cell they took could be their own fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Um, they became obviously known as HeLa cells because that was his now standard method of labeling 
his like twos basically it was the first two letters of the patient's first name and the last name so henrietta and lax so helaf the ability to rapidly produce HeLa cells in a laboratory setting has led to many important breakthroughs in biomedical research. An example is in 1954, Jonas Salk, when using the cell line in his research, was able to develop the polio vaccine, which get your children vaccinated. We all get that. Mm-hmm. So important stuff has come from this. It's just bullshit the way that no one's been recognized. And to test this vaccine, the cells were mass produced in the first ever cell production factory. And additionally, Chester Southman, a leading virologist, injected HeLa cells into cancer patient prison inmates and healthy individuals in order to observe whether cancer could be transmitted, as well as to examine if one could become immune to cancer by developing an acquired immune response. What the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck? the human experimentation. Yeah. Thank God that there, thank God there's laws now, even though sometimes Mm. they're not the best, at least there's laws. Yes. Um, so her cells were in high demand and they were put into mass production. They were mailed to scientists around the globe to search into cancer, AIDS, and the effects of radiation and toxic substances, gene mapping, and a bunch of other pursuits. Mm-hmm. Her cells were the first cells to ever be successfully cloned in 1955, and they have since been used to test human sensitivity to tape, glue, cosmetics, and many other products. There are almost 11,000 patents involving the HeLa cells. So in the early 1970s, a large portion of other cell cultures became contaminated by the HeLa cells because they're cancerous. They're going to take over. Um, as a result, members of Henrietta's family received solicitations for blood samples for researchers to hopefully learn more about their genetics in order to differentiate the difference between her cells and the other cells they got contaminated with. Because mm-hmm. they were like, we're fucked now. We don't know what the fuck is going on. So obviously they're fucking alarmed and confused. And several family members began questioning why the fuck they're getting so many calls for blood samples. Because they're like, what the fuck do you need us for? Like, what? Yeah. Confused as fuck because it's <clears throat> out of the blue. They're yeah, calls literally for this shit. left and right by like everybody on the planet. In 1975, the family also learned through a chance dinner party conversation that material originating in, in Henrietta was continuing to be used for medical research. The family had never discussed Henrietta's illness or death the family had never discussed Henrietta's illness or death among themselves in the intervening years. But with the increased curiosity about their mother and her genetics, they now began to ask questions. Because they're like, we don't talk about it, so we know you don't fucking know about it, so how the <laughs> fuck do you know about it? Neither Henrietta nor her family gave them permission to harvest her cells. And at the time, permission was not required, nor customarily sought. They just took whatever the fuck they wanted from you and were rolling. You know, like if they took it, they could use it. They were using it. And one of the excuses was that discarded tissue mm-hmm. is free game, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, gotta love it. Thank God that there's laws now. But they were used for medical research and commercial purposes, and in the 1980s, the family medical records were published without family fucking consent. They just straight up published their shit. HIPAA has exited the chat. Similar issues were brought up in the Supreme Court in California. California. (laughs) (laughs) A similar issue was brought up in the Supreme Court of California case versus Monroe versus Regents of the University of California in 1990, and the court ruled that a person's discarded tissue and cells were not their property and can be commercialized. Oh, I'm sorry. I jumped the gun on that one. No, it's okay, but that's why I was like, I'm still reading it, though, because it's a whole ass court case where they were like, fuck it. It's not yours no more once it Mm -hmm. leaves you. And one of the points that Wine and Crime had made was that, like, okay, so why do we need permission for organ donors and stuff like that? Like, once I'm I'm dead, it's obviously discarded tissue, so you can just have it all, right? Yeah. Right. Why are you why are you asking permission then? Yeah. Huh? Just take it. And in March 2013, researchers published the DNA sequence of the genome and the strain, the HeLa cells. So the whole fucking DNA strain was out there. The Lax family discovered this when the author Rebecca Skloot informed them. So thank you, Rebecca, for doing your fucking part, for letting them know. Thank you so much. There were objections, obviously, from the family about their genetic information just being available to public access. Yeah, what the fuck? Like, why the fuck would you do that? That's like, you're purposely sending your shit into 23andMe. Like, this is like your 23andMe information just being put out there on the is, internet. And But then there's people in COVID who are like, you don't have a right to make me wear a mask and you can't ask me why because HIPAA. But we have literal okay fucking a, crimes. A family of colors whole DNA sequence is posted online literally obviously they had objections about it being fucking public and jerry way a grandchild of henrietta said to the new york times the biggest concern was privacy 
what information was actually going to be out there about our grandmother and what information they could obtain from her sequencing that will tell them about her children and her grandchildren are going down the line. Um, and in the same year, a different group working on the line's genome under the National Institutes of Health funding submitted for publication. So go you, I guess. And in August 2013, an agreement was announced between the family and the NIH that gave the family some control over access to the cells, as they fucking should. Mm-hmm. And the DNA sequence um, found in two studies, along with the promise of acknowledgement, along with the promise of acknowledgement in scientific papers. In addition, two family members will join six. Will join the damn. Damn. <laughs> In addition, two family members will join the six-member committee that will regulate access to the sequencing data. So they weren't even going to put them on there. They yeah. were just going to let it ride. What the actual <sighs> fuck is wrong with people? Yeah, I don't get it. So, in October of 2021, Lax's state filed a lawsuit against Thermo Fisher Scientific for profiting from the HELOS cell line without her consent and asking for the full amount of their net fucking profits, as they should. Period. When did that happen? I missed it. In October of 2021. So okay. during the panorama. Good. Sorry, I gotta make That's sure I'm understanding what this is. Papa John's. So Henrietta is buried in an unmarked grave in the family cemetery in a place called Laxtown in Halifax County, Virginia. So since her exact location isn't known, the family believes that there is a few feet between her mother's grave and her own. Um, for decades, the only one in the family to have been marked with a tombstone because, you know, times were definitely different then. So mm-hmm. they can't really put anything down in a certain spot to remember yes. her by. That's sad. Yes. I hate it here. Roland Patulo, a faculty member of the Morehouse School of Medicine who worked with George Gay and knew about the Lax family, donated a headstone for Lax. Thank you. Appreciate you. This prompted her family to raise money for a headstone for Elise as well, which was dedicated on the same day. And a book-shaped headstone for Henrietta Lacks contains an epitaph written by her grandchildren that reads, Henrietta Lacks, August 1st, 1920 to October 4th, 1951, in loving memory of a phenomenal woman, wife, and mother who touched many lives. Here lies Henrietta Lacks. Her immortal cells will continue to help mankind forever. Eternal love and admiration from your family. So, very sweet, very kind. Yes. One second. This is like, it cut itself weird. I'm so sorry. You're good. She also now has a historical marker memorializing her in Clover, Virginia, um, and a park in her honor. It's named Henrietta Lacks in Baltimore, Maryland. And in 1996, Morehouse School of Medicine held its first annual Gila Women's Health Conference, led by physician Verlan Patillo. And the conference is held to give recognition to her, her cell line, and the value, invaluable contribution made by African Americans to medical research and a clinical practice. And the mayor of Atlanta declared the date of the first conference, October 11th, 1996, Henrietta Lacks Day. Mm-hmm. So everybody celebrate October 11th for Henrietta. Period. Because she fucking deserves it. She does. There's a lot of things that have been recognized for her, but on October 6th, 2018, John Hopkins University announced plans to name a research building in honor of her. The announcement was made on the ninth annual Henrietta Lacks Memorial Lecture in the Turner Auditorium in East Baltimore by John Hopkins University President Roland J. Daniels and Paul B. Rothman, the CEO of John Hopkins Medicine and the Dean of the Medical Facility. Um, through her life, her immortal cells have made an immeasurable impact on science and the medicine that has touched countless lives of the world. This building will stand as a testament for her transformative impact of scientific discovery and the ethics that must undergrid its pursuit we at john hopkins are profoundly grateful for the lax family for their partnership as we continue to learn from her life and to honor her enduring legacy so she's getting recognition but it's still like what the fuck is wrong with you people and there's been a lot of other things that have happened there's the henrietta lax and enchanting i can't fucking read (laughs) i was having the same struggle the henrietta lax enhancing cancer research act of 2019 became law It states that a government accountability office must complete a study about barriers to participation that exist in cancer clinical trials and that there are federally funded for the populations that have been underrepresented in such trials. And there's just a lot of other information about different cases that have happened to make sure that Mm -hmm. the same thing that happened to her has never happened again. But 
So I was fucking mind blown so when part I found of, out where they're from. Yeah, so part of that shit fucking all that also pisses me off is the family still has not been like compensated, compensated at, all. at all. There is no compensation there for them one, other than being on the fucking committee. Yes, two of them. And there was one fucking person who like made a donation to a charity in their name that was an undisclosed amount. But yeah. that's the only thing that's happened so far. And I fully believe that those people should be fucking millionaires right now. They should. They should have won their case. They're not just using her cells for medical stuff. They're using it in the cosmetic industry as well. Yeah, they're to, using it everywhere. Like So every fucking thing that people are doing, and this is like probably going to ruffle some feathers. However, racism is thoroughly prominent in America mm-hmm. at the moment. And I just, I wish America knew how much like, the cells of a black woman are what is pushing and like basically skyrocketed cancer treatments forward and that they were able to do the things they are able Not to do Not even just today. cancer treatment, like longevity of life. Yes, longevity like, of life. Like majority of your vaccines are honestly made from herself. Cosmetics and stuff like that. So there's so many, like how about every year when we do national, is it cancer month? Does cancer I, get a whole month? I can't breast remember. cancer is in October. Yes, breast cancer awareness and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff like that. Like, where the fuck is her recognition for that? Why are we not teaching this in school? I don't know. It's fucking like, crazy. So, because, like, Jordan is shook. I was just as shook when I first listened to the episode. Mm-hmm. That's why I was like, oh, my fucking God, when she, I realized yeah, what case she was crazy. covering. Because it's, it's absolute bullshit. She deserves more recognition. And for I'm sure. going to do what I can to try to, like, inform people about it. Because Oh, yeah. Like, this woman literally led cancer treatment and all kinds of other shit, and she didn't was not asked permission for her cells. She didn't even fucking know, like nor that. did her family know until years later when they fucked up and mixed the cells up, and then they needed them, and that's when they told them what was so going on. So there's people that have made, like, millions off of, off of her, her cells with no recognition. And her family, I'm pretty sure, I don't, like I said, because you said they lived on a, mm-hmm. in the slave quarters and stuff mm-hmm. like that in Old Plantation, so her family was slaves and stuff like that and so they went from that to they still haven't been compensated for leading medical research basically it's fucking crazy it really pisses me the fuck off because it's just like if she was alive like i hope that you know what i mean because we do have so much from it. i hope she'd be like yes but yeah i want the fucking recognition you know what i mean she had no fucking idea mm -hmm. and there's no i like i fully believe that her family even her family now knowing all this was probably still like absolutely use her cells for everything because like this is stuff that does need to be worked on i almost choked and died however they do they deserve the recognition she deserves her recognition because i'm part of the reason i think they also wanted their blood cells was to like i don't know if they want to test their genetics too to see if Mm -hmm. they can do anything else with that family's stuff but it's like i'm sure they'd be all for it you just got to give them the recognition that they deserve yeah and it's just straight up bullshit like it it really pissed me off, and especially, like I said, as someone who had taken classes in college about medical shit and knowing about these cells and not being told, like, it's just fucking crazy. I don't know if, like, other universities out there or whatever, like, I'm, I'm not going to knock community college, but I did go to a community college, so I don't know if it was because of that. But you think I'm in medical classes at a community and college, I should that. know. You know what I mean? So hopefully other colleges are putting this information out there, but it's just like, mm-hmm. what the fuck, you know? And But, like picture this you go to the doctors to be treated for something as a woman you go to the doctor for a fucking pap smear they find cells you have no fucking idea until after you're dead and then your family finds out yeah well the we'll start with you go in for a pap smear and they take a piece of you don't inform me that they're doing it because it was not why she was going there they just did it oh yeah but i'm just saying even if you go today for like a pap smear and they take some extra and don't tell you and just use your shit however they want. And let's say you do unfortunately have cancer. And that's why you're going in for your pap smear. And you find out you have cancer. And they took some healthy cells and some bad cells. And they kept those bad cells. How would you fucking feel? And how would your family feel when they find out that you've been like basically being used for fucking years and never knowing it? Like it's so it's so much disrespect on her name that it's unfucking real. Mm-hmm. I just I can't believe it. I, like I said, like I'm thankful because, you know, like we have all these things. But she deserves fucking recognition. Yes. And she didn't even know while she was fucking dying that all this was happening with her stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's fucking crazy. <sighs> but, yeah. Anyway, not so. to end on a total <laughs> bummer note, but I definitely wanted to get that out there because it's just yeah. insane. So. I mean, at least some good has come from it. And oh, for will sure. And continue to come from it. And I'm it just glad and... that 
we can share some information and other people are speaking up about her story because yes, she I, deserves to be known. Yes, I do. And I hope that their family gets financially compensated and they all get the recognition. They oh, deserve. for sure. And if you hear this, obviously you might, if you're listening, um, please share her fucking story. Like just tell people as like a random, like fucking fact. You can just literally like, start. That could be a, a conversation conf- starter. Just be like, hey, you know about him? We got to lax. Meeting up with a Tinder date and yeah. just be like, did you, you know? know the shit? <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be like, oh shit. They know what they're talking they're about. They're going to be either really scared of you, but they're going to leave informed or they're going to be like, this bitch smart. Period. So <laughs> with that being said, if you, me and Jordan are about to, once we're done recording this, we're each going to cover a cryptid. So. And mine will be featured in a later episode on the main cast. Yeah. So, so obviously enjoy. you need to subscribe. So that way. You can listen to this because I'm giving minimal episode. background <laughs> <laughs> in my Period. real case. Ain't nobody gonna tell you shit about it. But... You just gonna have to pretend like you know if you don't. So if you'd like to support the show, we do have a Patreon. You can find us at C3 Podcast on there. I think I need to go on and type in a URL. I'm not entirely sure because anyone who has tried to find it struggled a little bit. Yeah. So I'll see what I can do. I'm gonna get the link tree set up this week. Send it to Jordan so she can get it on our Instagram. Yes, because I do have our Podbean site on there as well, which links to everywhere that you can listen. And it also does have our email on there, so that way you can contact us if there's any corrections or a simple request for any kind of changes. I am on there, and I do monitor if there's anything coming in. So Period. You will um, be answered and heard. <laughs> yeah, so if you'd like to subscribe, you can... The first tier is a dollar a month, and you will help gain access to the bonus episodes. Still don't know what we're doing for the $5 a month episode, so thank you for your contribution. We love you. Forehead kiss. Yeah, you still get the bonus content. You're just supporting the show a little bit extra. I have some ideas. We'll figure it out, and I'll let you know when we know. And then for $15 a month, you can gain access to the bonus content. There will be, well, then you get to pick an episode topic, both cases, or a cocktail, or the whole fucking episode's dedicated to you. We'll sing you a love song in the middle of it, you know? Jordan will sing you a love song <laughs> in the middle of it. Colin will be my ad-lib singer. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, I think that's all I got right now. So by the time this episode comes out, so in, well, this Saturday, but four days from now, though, I will have four bonus content episodes posted to make up for last month not having one. I have more free time now. And then now that I have more free time, me and Jordan are at some point going to get together, talk about $5 month tier and all kinds of shit. So thank you, everyone who has supported us so far. Thank you. And if you cannot financially support us, we completely understand. However, it's hard out here in the streets. Something that you can do is word of mouth. Just send it to somebody. Tell someone if you know someone that likes true crime or you know someone that listens to music all day at work or anything like that. Be like, hey, I got a podcast you can listen to, and I promise there will be improvements to the show in the very near future. Anything else to add? Nope. And that's on murder. Period.